DiscerningHearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. Dr. Lillis is an associate professor and the academic dean of St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, California, as well as the academic advisor of the St. Juan Diego House of Priestly Formation for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from his lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church and the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. He is also the author of Hidden Mountain Secret Garden, a Theological Contemplation of Prayer. In this series of conversations with Dr. Lillis, we discuss the writings of St. Teresa of Avila, whose spiritual classic, The Way of Perfection, is the source of our current reflection. Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Anthony, thank you once again for joining me. It's great to be with you, Chris. Thanks for having me this morning. We've really been immersed in one of the great teachings on prayer, haven't we, with Teresa's way of perfection? Yes, we have. In fact, we're coming into a really beautiful part of this work. It's kind of like one of the great contributions of the way of perfection. She introduced in an earlier work called Her Life, La Vida, a distinction between contemplative mystical prayer and uh, and prayer that's kind of under our own energy and impetus. And she's taking us, and in our conversation today, we're going to see that she takes us uh, from or begins to explore the connection between what we can achieve by our own efforts and what God achieves in us through his work. This relationship between our effort and God's work is something that's very important to her. She wants to, on one hand, avoid uh, an era of uh, Pelagianism. Uh, Pelagius kind of made the spiritual life all about the things that we do, but she also wants to avoid the error of kind of what will be known as quietism, where you're essentially so passive that you don't do what God needs you to do to make space for Him. So it's like a dance. What the, what she's going to we're going to explore today. All that we've talked about up to now are things that we can do to make space for God, and now she's going to talk about what God can do once we've made space for him in our lives. Yeah, I, everything that we've spoken of before, she really needed to offer to her sisters and then in part to us, so that, as you said, we have prepared ourselves. It would be a mistake to jump over all those things, so that those aesthetical practices, the living out the life of the virtues, and so much more, and jump to this part. It's true. To get to a place where we're vulnerable to God, where our hearts are fully open to his presence and ready to respond to his presence, it takes a lot of hard work. She's the image, uh, we've talked about this before, of the wild horse. And, and that, that wild horse, um, uh, which is our, our intellect and all the other energy that we have in our hearts, if it's not tamed or disciplined, uh, can distract us or pull us away from God. But once we begin to discipline it according to God's will, what's been revealed in the scriptures and, and through the church, we begin that same wild horse that before was so dangerous becomes our friend 
and helps us on our journey uh, while we fight different kinds of enemies who try to keep us away from Jesus. So this ascetical part of the spiritual life uh, or asceticism or the ascetical grades of prayer, we'll come to know them in the, in the tradition of the church, these ascetical grades of prayer where our own spiritual exercises and our ascetical efforts, that, that is our, our self-discipline around things like, oh, as we've mentioned before, uh, detachment and honor and, and friendship, our discipline around those kinds of things prepare for something beautiful that God wants to do. Through those things, we've tamed the horse, to at least to some extent. Uh, when we've done our part, God is going to do his part. Yeah, humility in, in a very real way, isn't it? That surrender allows you to ride that horse. That's right. Because if anybody who's ever tried to ride a horse, you have to go with the movement of the animal, not trying to bend it to you. That The best riders know how to acquiesce, don't they? Yeah, well, it's a very kind of, a good rider knows that it's a, a good horse, picks up the most subtle movement and will respond to it. Once it kind of trusts the rider, that the rider actually knows what he's doing. The horse knows that he can't get away with anything, mm -hmm. you know. So when the horse has confidence in the rider and kind of has a sense that the rider knows what he wants and where he wants to go, the horse will kind of, as you say, acquiesce or respond to those really subtle movements that a, a really good rider uh, makes. And so they're able to get somewhere. Uh, but in, in order for us to meet the Lord, in the, this deeper way in prayer, we really do need to do our part to to kind of uh, train this wild horse. If we don't do our part, we don't give God the freedom to do his part. God's kind of counting on us to work with him. Now, Teresa makes a really important distinction here, and that is there's a difference when I say we need to do our part. We never really do our part apart from God. His grace is always there. Without God's grace, we can never tame the horse. But um, uh, this kind of grace, we call it in theology, we call it cooperating grace. And what's going on is this gift from God, his life in us, that's what grace is. It's the gift of his life in us. His life in us cooperates with our efforts to train the horse. But that cooperative grace is just the first step. What we want to talk about today is after we do our part, after we do everything we can to give ourselves to the Lord, God wants to open up and uh, or we, we've given God kind of permission, if you will, to give himself to us without, you know, he never wants to force himself. And so he, he has to wait until we do our part, cooperating with his grace for a new kind of grace called operative grace where he acts in us, where he's performative in our hearts. This kind of grace is so beautiful and so powerful. It's worth all the effort we put in to get ready for it. In those later chapters of The Way of Perfection, and I'm speaking primarily from 28 on, she is speaking of the prayer of recollection. And, and when you speak of that cooperative grace, it reminds me of this particular passage where she says, 
Since Christ doesn't force our will, he takes what we give him, but he doesn't give himself completely until we give ourselves completely. Is that, in essence, what you are speaking of? Yeah, so he wants to make a complete, total gift of himself to us, but in order for him to be able to give himself in a way that we can receive, we need to dispose ourselves, do everything we can to give ourselves to him without reserve. Our ability to give ourselves to him opens up the possibility of him giving himself to us. I referred to this before, but in Gaudium et Spes, I think it's around 34, says that the human person is such that he only discovers the truth about whom, who he is when he gives himself away. God gives us this cooperating grace, a grace that cooperates with our efforts so that we learn how to give ourselves to him. And the more we are given over to him, the more he will give himself over to us. We'll return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Memorari Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. 
In this prayer of recollection, could you describe that? How does that move into that prayer contemplation? Well, the prayer of recollection itself is a prayer of cooperative grace or an ascetical grade of prayer. And so in this kind of prayer, what you are doing is you are you're training the horse. You are withdrawing your thoughts from distracting things, things that are not God. And you're putting your thoughts on him and the wonderful things that he's done on your life. And she's using the, the very first words of the Our Father to help us with this recollection. Our Father who art in heaven. And so turn your heart to heavenly things. Uh, Therese of Lisieux did this. She loved, even as a young girl, I don't think she was a teenager yet, uh, she loved to spend time thinking about heaven. And when she was doing that, she was practicing this prayer of recollection. And so it's something that we can do, and, and we can ask God's help to do, and that is to withdraw our mind and our hearts from earthly cares and focus on eternal heavenly things. So think about the amount of time you might spend when you go into prayer and you're anxious about all kinds of things. This person or this event or or somebody's dissed you over here and so you're playing that tape over and over. Or the other tape that we play over and over again is the tape I don't matter or what I have to say isn't important to anybody or I'm no good. These are all tapes that we play in our mind. And so sometimes when we go into silence, rather than turning off the tape, we feed those kind of thoughts, we dwell on them. And that will destroy the soul. Uh, the Desert Fathers used to say that when we go into the desert, we either become an angel or a beast. And what makes you an angel or turns you into a beast is all about what you turn your mind to. If you turn your mind to heavenly things, God will raise you up into the angel-like life, says the Desert Fathers. But if you choose instead to dwell on earthly things, on fears and anxieties, grievances and bitterness, if you turn your mind to these things or turn your mind to, to greed or envy in things or turn your mind to the fact that you, you're not honored or just let yourself rest in how much you are honored, None of that is prayer. You might be silent. You might be in front of the Blessed Sacrament. There might be a beautiful crucifix in front of you, but you're not praying. You're simply indulging your own big fat ego. Recollection requires a renunciation of all of that and the decision to think about our Father who art in heaven, to think about heavenly things. The more we think about the things of heaven, the more we raise our minds and hearts to the glory of God revealed in this world, the more we're taming that horse, the more we are, St. Teresa of Avila says, the more we are enclosing our faculties. So one of the, her chief images is the image of the garden and an enclosed garden. To have an enclosed garden, you need walls. And the walls of this garden earlier uh, she spoke about the wall of holy poverty. Well, exterior poverty, the simplicity of life that we choose to live, the saying no to a lot of other activities in our lives so that we can say yes to prayer. That enclosure, it, that's the external enclosure. 
There's also an internal enclosure where you don't let yourself get preoccupied with silly thoughts, with thoughts that are less and, and not worthy of our dignity. Uh, and, and I'm thinking in particular, uh, people who want to live a spiritual life, one of the things that can happen to them, the big trap, they know that they should avoid impure thoughts and so forth. And they know that they shouldn't be thinking about whether they have money or have honor. But two things that will that the evil one throws at us, the evil one that we need to fight will throw at us, that I think are especially dangerous, are anxiety. Because anxiety looks like concern for another. You're worried about your son or daughter or parent or spouse or friend. You're worried about some hardship that they have to endure. Well, rather than entrust that to the Lord by a simple prayer, Lord, I offer you so-and-so, you know the distress they're under. Please uh, pour out your grace on them. What we do instead is we get worried about them as if we can solve the problem, as if we're God. And and we go round and round on that merry-go-round. It That's not prayer. That's not a, a surrender of of a person or a situation to God. That's just worry. Mm-hmm. Worry doesn't take you to God. We can also do the same thing with bitterness. Bitterness doesn't take us to God. Rehashing an old hurt and argument over and over and over again doesn't bring us any closer to God. So that's not recollection. We need to put up a wall against that in our hearts and make space in our hearts to think about heavenly things. As we do this, the powers of our soul our intellect, our imagination, our affectivity comes to rest more and more on holy thoughts, on those beautiful things that God has revealed to us. And as that happens, what you discover is you have a lot more strength and energy because you're not dissipating it on everything else. You're able to attend to things. You're able to pay attention in a way that you couldn't before. That natural gift of being able to attend to pay attention, is exactly what we need to be able to receive the gift of a new kind of presence that the Lord wants to give of himself. And that kind of presence is called the prayer of quiet. So this prayer of recollection prepares us for what Teresa is going to describe as the prayer of quiet. An excerpt from chapter 29 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. There are many ways in which we can gradually acquire this habit, as various books tell us. We must cast aside everything else, they say, in order to approach God inwardly, and we must retire within ourselves even during our ordinary occupations. If I can recall the companionship which I have within my soul for as much as a moment, that is of great utility. But as I am speaking only about the way to recite vocal prayers well, there is no need for me to say as much as this. All I want is that we should know and abide with the person with whom we are speaking and not turn our backs upon him. For that, it seems to me, is what we are doing when we talk to God and yet think of all kinds of vanity The whole mischief comes from our not really grasping the fact that He is near us, 
and imagining him far away, so far that we shall have to go to heaven in order to find him. How is it, Lord, that we do not look at thy face when it is so near us? We do not think people are listening to us when we are speaking to them unless we see them looking at us. And do we close our eyes so as not to see that thou art looking at us? How can we know if thou hast heard what we say to thee? The great thing I should like to teach you is that in order to accustom ourselves gradually to giving our minds confidence so that we may readily understand what we are saying and with whom we are speaking, we must recollect our outward senses, take charge of them ourselves, and give them something with which to occupy them. It is in this way that we have heaven within ourselves, since the Lord of heaven is there. If once we accustom ourselves to being glad that there is no need to raise our voices in order to speak to him, since his majesty will make us conscious that he is there, we shall be able to say the Paternoster and whatever other prayers we like with great peace of mind. And the Lord himself will help us not to grow tired. Soon after we have begun to force ourselves to remain near the Lord, he will give us indications by which we may understand that, though we have had to say the Paternoster many times, he heard us the first time. For he loves to save us worry, and even though we may take a whole hour over saying it once, if we can realize that we are with him, and what it is we are asking him, and how willing he is, like any father, to grant it to us, and how he loves to be with us and comfort us. He has no wish for us to tire our brains by a great deal of talking. For love of the Lord, then, sisters, accustom yourselves to saying the Paternoster in this recollected way, and before long you will see how you gain by doing so. It is a method of prayer which establishes habits that prevent the soul from going astray and the faculties from becoming restless. This you will find out in time. I only beg you, test it, even at the cost of a little trouble, which always results when we try to form a new habit. I assure you, however, that before long you will have the great comfort of finding it unnecessary to tire yourselves with seeking this Holy Father to whom you pray. For you will discover him within you. May the Lord teach this to those of you who do not know it. For Teresa, there was that moment that, can we say, it was a transformative type of paradigm shift, just even in her own spiritual life. When at 39, she realized it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm -hmm. Coming, from, of course, from the scriptures in St. Paul. And that was really true. I mean, she had the grace to, yes, he is in me. And so in the way of perfection, you have her helping us to understand that Remember, recall, he is in you. And then you, you will see that reflected even in the writings of, say, Elizabeth of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as she has learned from this and 
recalls that. I mean, that's an important thing in our prayer to recall that he is in us. Yeah, so when we see our Father who art in heaven, heaven isn't something remote for, from us, nor is it a future reality or simply a future reality. It's something that we've already been given by faith. So when we were baptized, we received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the grace that makes us holy, yes, and our original sin has been washed away and healed. So all those things have happened. But the, the most important thing is that the Holy Spirit is, the gift of the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us as in a temple. Well, wherever the Holy Spirit is, there is always the Word, the Father, because the Spirit and the Word always go together. So the eternal Son of God has been spoken into our hearts by the Father through this power of the Holy Spirit, through this gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Word of the Father, Jesus, resounds in our hearts through this indwelling of the Spirit. Well, wherever the Spirit and the Son are, of course the, the Father is. The Son and the Father are never apart from each other. And so to have the Holy Spirit is to have the indwelling of the whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, if you have the indwelling of the Trinity, the three in one and one in three in our hearts, this plurality and unity, this relation, eternal relation of love and knowledge and life, is dwelling in our hearts, the source of all things that are, the source of every joy and all goodness dwells in our hearts. Well, th this means that they never can dwell there unless all the angels and saints are also adoring them there. Uh, the angels and saints are never apart from the Holy Trinity. Uh, they always uh, are before his face, praising and worshiping, as it says in the book of Revelations, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. They're throwing down their crowns before the Lamb. And that that's not something, again, in the future for us. That's not something remote from us. It's something that we already know by faith. It's something, a reality that is breaking forth in our hearts right now. If we become aware of this heavenly reality playing out in our hearts right now, if we become aware of it for even a moment, it does so much good in our soul. That, so when we pray the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, a vocal prayer, but we become aware of this heavenly reality, not as something remote or in the future, but something right now within us. Uh, already we've ventured into the world of recollection. Even though we're praying a vocal prayer, we've already begun to enjoy recollection. It's this recollected prayer that is filled with wonder before the beauty of what God has revealed to us, the beauty of what he's accomplishing within us, this prayer of recollection makes space in our hearts for other forms of contemplative prayer that are even more fruitful, the beginning of which is what St. Teresa of Avila calls the prayer of quiet. Could you talk to us about the prayer of quiet? In the life, she describes this prayer of quiet as a spark. So the characteristics of a spark is that it doesn't give off a lot of warmth. It doesn't even give you off a lot of light. And yet she claims this spark does more good for our souls than all the hours of recollection and mental prayer that we spent up to that moment. Uh, 
the what's the difference between this little spark of prayer and what I've called the prayer of recollection, what Teresa Vavla calls the recollection. The big difference between the two is that in the prayer of recollection, it's, as we've said before, God cooperating with our efforts. And so we call that cooperative grace. Grace means gift. It's the gift of God's cooperating with our efforts at prayer and to bring us into this beautiful wonder over his presence. Beautiful thing. But in the prayer of quiet, we call this kind of grace not a cooperative grace or a grace where God's cooperating with our efforts, but rather an operative grace, a grace where God is working in us and uh, and we sanction his effort in us. St. Thomas Aquinas calls these operative graces, he calls them the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, so there's seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in this kind of prayer, in the prayer of quiet, there is a wisdom and understanding and a knowledge uh, being uh, operative, made operative in our heart that come from God, that are his understanding, knowledge, and wisdom breaking forth in us. And in the beginning, we're not able to receive the fullness of that. We're ready for just a little spark of it. But one little spark of God's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in our hearts heals us, transforms us, roots, roots us deeper in his love, deeper in the beatitude that he has for us than all of our efforts combined. You've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this program has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis.